0: whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that you may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment." For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with the songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathways for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. The word of the Lord.
1: There were four preachers, and they got together for a friendly gathering one day, and one of the preachers said, You know, the people in our churches, they pour out their hearts to us. They confess their sins. They tell us all of our needs, their needs. We should do the same amongst us. Confession is good for the soul. And so the four preachers agreed to do that. So the first preacher said, I cuss like a sailor at home. And the second preacher goes, I like to go out dancing at the club Saturday night. And the third preacher goes, well, "I've spent a lot of my money at the casino." And the fourth preacher won't say anything. And they're like, "Well, hey, come on! We confessed to you. We told you. You have to tell us. What is your vice?" And finally, fourth preacher goes, "Gossip," and I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> Morning, everyone. I'm Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this whole summer, we're talking about prayer. We're learning about it. We're talking about it. We're hopefully engaging in prayer more throughout this summer. Prayer is just kind of one of these universal human experiences. People pray in all forms all around the world. Uh, We don't want to just pray in a human response, though, because we know, we believe that. Uh, prayer is our only hope. It is the most important thing that we can be doing. So we're going to be taking a lot of time this summer to be able to to talk about prayer. And we're trying to move from something that's a more transactional prayer into something that is a more um, transformational prayer, something that is going to actually create change in our lives. And today, we get to talk about confession, which actually is a really key component of our transformation when we're thinking about prayer. Let me just give you a couple uh, stories of examples of confession in my own life. Um, I went to a a Catholic high school. It was just a small Catholic high school. Uh, Part of the experience there was that every year there was like a a spiritual retreat that we would go on uh, with the students. And uh, the dean of students, one year on this retreat, he had us all circle up in this uh, big room. It was one big circle, my whole class. And he said, we're going to practice the act of confession now. And one by one, each of you is going to sit in the center of the circle. And then anybody who wants to come up and confess something to you can do that. And so sure enough, one by one, each person had to sit in the center of the circle and everybody else, if they wanted to, would go up and confess something to them. I was the one who went up and confessed the most to people Almost everybody, I went up and had something to confess about. I remember uh, when the class bully was in the center of the circle, I went up to him, and I'm just like, I've always hated you. <laughs> I'm sure you've had a pretty hard life, but I've always hated you. <laughs> At the end of that, I turned to everybody, and I was like, I feel much better now. <laughs> A little bit of relief that came with that experience. Not every experience of confession, though, is necessarily uh, a relief. Um, when uh, some of you know that in my mid 20s I came to faith, and that was a pretty dramatic change for me in that point in my life, but I did have an earlier church experience. In my adolescence and junior high, for a little while, I went to a Catholic church. And that's actually where I was baptized and received my first communion. And when you go through that process in the Catholic Church, you also have your first confession. And so confession is uh, part of the, one of the rites that's kind of required within the Catholic tradition. And so I went in for my first confession after taking, or it must have been before taking communion. And Father Mike, the priest, uh, we went into another room, and you do this during a mass when everybody is there watching, but it's a private experience. So I go back into this room and I, you know, I tell you know, Father Mike my seventh grade sins, I, I hate the bully or whatever you know, they were at that time. And he's like, okay, I'm sure you're sorry. Why don't you, you know, say a few Hail Marys and say the Our Father or something like that. And I got up and I remember walking out of that going, is that, was that it? Is that what's supposed to happen here? In this, not every experience of confession is exactly the same or necessarily as meaningful. I'm curious what you think about confession. So I'm looking for feedback now. What do you think about when you think about confession? Telling God your sins. I mean, that's like that's the, that's the basic uh, definition right there, right? You're going to confess your sins. You're going to tell God your sins. That is confession. Absolutely. Being transparent, yeah. Being fully honest with who you are, not concealing anything or hiding anything. You, forgiving others, yeah. Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, then our Father in heaven will not forgive you your sins. So forgiving others, if they're coming to you in confession, or even if they're not, is pretty critical, yeah? Relief. Relief. Yeah, kind of like what I experienced when I was sitting in that circle. Like, whew, I feel a lot better now. Absolutely, we can experience relief in confession. Change, is that what I heard over here? Yeah, we can experience change. We're going to talk about both of those things uh, when we go through the active confession, I mean, there are all kinds of things that may come to your mind, different images about what confession is like. Uh, maybe you picture something that's more like the, the kind of traditional Catholic experience, right, where you have a confessional booth. I don't know what that priest is <laughs> listening to right there. It doesn't sound like or it doesn't look like it's, a, it's something good. Maybe you've got some sense in your mind where you're just like, look, some sins, it doesn't matter if you confess them, some sins are just unforgivable. Uh, Father, I've sinned, I created Jar Jar Binks. Get out, God disowns you. (laughs) Maybe you don't really think about confession at all. In fact, statistically confessing is going down in our society. It's really easy to measure on a Catholic basis because there is a very specific right that people participate in and fewer and fewer Catholics are actually participating in that. But there are a lot of uh, anecdotal stories as well about people who just feel like there's less importance that, uh, in confession. It's not as necessary. Yeah. Or maybe you feel like there's anxiety around it right there's some level of discomfort that comes with the act of confession or maybe you're listening to this right now and you're like i don't even know what you mean by confession like what are you even talking about confession is speaking to god specifically about sins Sins are those things that don't align with God. God has called some things good and some things not so good. And those sins are the things that are on the not so good. And it's not just in our actions or just in our inactions, but it's also in our hearts. It's the things that we think and feel. It's a part, ends up being a part of our being. Speaking specifically to God about those things is really important because that allows us to be fully truthful about who we are and what we're experiencing at any given time. And the truth is important because that's really at what confession is all about. It's about being fully true to who you are and what you're experiencing to God and fully disclosing yourself to God. So really then, confession becomes this really important aspect uh, or act of trust Right? When you disclose yourself to somebody else, there's got to be trust there in the relationship. Uh, You have to have a, a trustworthy person that you are confessing to. So, specific truth that's given in trust means that confession is not blame shifting or denying or justifying or rationalizing. The things that we do, which is really easy, right? It's really easy to do those kinds of things. Confession is speaking to God specifically about those sins. And ultimately, I think confession is freedom. It's freedom for us when we go into confession regularly, which I think is an important thing for us to do, to take our confession to God on a daily basis to experience that freedom. And I think Psalm 34 here gives us four reasons why confession is important. So let's start looking at those. If you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to open it to Psalm 32. You got a device. If you don't have a Bible, there are some at a table right in the back there. You're welcome to grab one. We'll just start here in verse one. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. The starting place for us with confession is really the end, and that is forgiveness. The first reason that we go to confession is that confession leads to forgiveness. And forgiveness is what we need from God, we all need it, or at least I'm assuming, I'm making an assumption here, that all of us have something that we could confess to God. Now that's just my assumption. Not everybody actually shares that assumption or necessarily feels or thinks the same way all the time. It's kind of hard for us, honestly, to recognize our sin as sin sometimes. We kind of mislabel things my, uh, one of my sisters, when she got engaged, she and her fiance went to the jewelry store to buy the wedding ring, and they were looking for something that eh, they wanted it to be nice, but also wanted it to, you know, be affordable for them uh, as they were preparing for marriage, and so they're there at the store, and my other sister was there as well, and they finally find the one, they're like, wow, this ring is really nice, and it really seems affordable, too. And so the salesperson was like, great, okay, step right this way, let me ring you up. And so the salesperson's like, you know, going through the process with them and the manager comes over and goes, oh, oh no. That ring is mislabeled. That's the wrong price. That's a, there's a different price for this one. And both of my sisters were there and they're like, uh-uh. That's the label on the ring, that's the price we're paying for the ring, and they got into a big argument about it, and eventually, the manager relented, and my sister and her fiance got the ring. I don't remember the numbers exactly, but it was something like they paid about $3,000 for a ring that should have been labeled $20,000. Sometimes human beings are pretty poor at labeling things. In fact, We've been bad at it since the beginning of time. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, you've got uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, and God has said all of these things he's labeled good. Good, 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 good. That thing over there, no, please don't. And, of course, Adam and Eve, they go, oh, that thing right over there. That's the thing that we're going to label as good. That's the thing that I'm going to go after. Or you just flash forward a little bit uh, further into the story of the Bible, and you have the book of Judges, and, The Israelite nation is just falling apart. They're constantly getting harassed by all these other nations around them. And toward the end of the book, you have this constant refrain that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They kept labeling things for themselves. This is good. This is good. This is good. This is good. Or you look at the time of Jesus. And how much did he get on the self righteous religious people of his time? Because they were looking out at everything here and labeling good or bad, but they were neglecting to look at what was happening in their own hearts. Or just think about our society right now. Our society is constantly redefining moral issues and what is good and what is right and what is not. But that's not just out there in our society, that's in here. In each one of our hearts, we're labeling things that are good or bad. And God says, certain things have a costly label to them. They will cost you much. And we put the low price label on them. We say, well, eh, that won't cost me too much. Now that's talking about sin. That's not even factoring the, 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 the fact that we project a false image of ourselves to everyone around us all the time. We all have a true hidden self that sometimes is even pretty hidden from ourselves and we project something else to somebody else so that we can come across as more competent, more capable, maybe more religious, maybe more eth- uh, 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 ethically uh, right, uh, basically anything to make us more lovable and appealing to other people. God forbid people actually knew who we were in our full realities. In fact, we can also just try and keep God in the dark on that ourselves. And even ourselves, we can keep in the dark a little bit as well by just ignoring what's happening in our lives. Now, I've said this several times in the past. I mean, I keep saying it. One of the most critical aspects of how we can experience change in our lives is to be known. It's to be known by others and to be known by God. So that's really important when you're thinking about a hidden self that you have. And we're going to come back to that in just a little bit. But here's what David says, the author of this psalm, Psalm 32, verse 2. He says, what joy for those whose lives are lived in complete honesty, or literally in whose spirit there is no deceit. When it comes to knowing ourselves, having some self awareness about what's actually happening in our lives, and then taking that to God in an honest relationship with the one who does know all of the truth of who we are, he then extends forgiveness to us. And God desires to give us forgiveness. He's not begrudging about it. He's not holding it back from us, you know, there's not like certain hoops that we always have to jump through in order to receive that forgiveness. He delights in forgiving us. In fact, that's why he sent Jesus to die on our behalf so that our sins could be forgiven and that we could have new life with Jesus. But in order for that forgiveness to come, we still have to have confession and repentance. Look at what the apostle John wrote in one of his letters to the churches. He says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Forgiveness comes when there's agreement, when there's honesty between us and God, where we recognize what he has labeled as good, and we bring ourselves into alignment with that But Mike, Jesus did die for our sins. So why do we still need to confess? It's all taken care of, right? Well, I'm so glad that you asked. (laughs) Let me give you a couple more reasons here as we continue looking through our psalm. The second reason why confession is important is because unconfessed sins are a burden for us. Just look at verses 3 and 5 here. 3 through 5. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Our unconfessed sins are a burden to our souls, to our very selves. Verse three again. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. It can be a crushing feeling. It can consume us in some ways, and it can make it actually really difficult for us to live a good life in healthy relationship with other people. And maybe you've experienced something like that before, right? You've done something to hurt somebody else, and you're trying to keep it secret, and it weighs heavily on you, or even it's just like secret in general in life, and that's weighing on you, there's almost a point where, like, you want to be caught in some way. Have you ever heard of um, The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe? This is kind of a story along those lines. It's a gruesome story, by the way. But it's about a man uh, who's in a house with an older man, and he starts to get paranoid about this older man. And he's kind of spying on him every night in the house. And eventually he decides he's going to kill him. And so he does, he kills him one night and the old, the, uh, in his sleep, but the old man manages to let out a scream before he dies. And that scream uh, is a clue to the neighbors, and so they call the police, and the police come to investigate, and the guy who murdered him, he's like, oh, that was just me, I had a nightmare, uh, but please come in. And the, the guy had, had hidden the body, body in the floorboards of one of the rooms. And he had the gall to bring the police officers into that very room and to set up some chairs and to sit down in that room as the police are asking him questions and investigating. And he's answering all the questions perfectly. And the police are totally satisfied. But as they're sitting there talking, he starts to hear a ba-bom, ba-bom, ba-bom. And in his conscience, he's hearing the heart of the man that he has murdered. And so even though the police are totally satisfied with their investigation, he screams, I did it, I did it, I killed him, and reveals the body to him, and his conscience ended up getting the most of him. Now, that's a pretty dramatic story, and it doesn't always go that way. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of a comparison. When I was a kid, I uh, stole cigarettes every day from the BP gas station around the corner from our school. So, school was here. Right around the corner was the BP gas station. And in California, back in those days, they had pretty loose regulations on where they kept the cigarettes. And so, at that gas station, they kept them right above the ice cream freezer chest. So, a kid could walk in, grab some ice cream, grab some cigarettes, go pay for the ice cream, and nobody would be the wiser or at least that's what I thought, until one day at school, I was in the fifth grade, and a girl in my class came up to me, and she's like, hey, Mike, the lady at the BP was asking me if I knew of any blonde-haired boys my age with a cast. I had just broken my arm, by the way. <laughs> and I lived in a town of 1,200 people. I was the only 12 year old, blonde-haired boy with a cast in the entire town, stealing cigarettes from the BP. So I was like, oh, great. So that night, my mom goes, hey, let's go rent a movie. Well, in a town of 1,200 people, you rent a movie at the BP gas station. (laughs) I don't want to go rent a movie, mom. Yeah, come on, let's go rent a movie. So we go to the BP gas station, there's a lady there behind the counter, and I'm over on the other side of the store looking at the VHS tapes <laughs> i was just feeling like sick to my stomach. We get a movie and then my mom and I are walking up to the counter. I'm just like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen? And we get up there and the lady goes to my mom. She goes, is this your son? And my stomach just like sank down and my mom goes, yes, he is the nicest boy. <laughs> Uh, I got away with it. And I was happy to get away with it. My conscience was not troubling me at all. Sometimes the burden that an unconfessed sin has isn't as strong uh, as it can always be, but it is a burden on us in some way because every time that we do that, it forms us or deforms us in some way. It affects us in a negative way. Uh, Dallas Willard, he was uh, head of the philosophy department at UCLA, and he was a follower of Jesus. He said, we must accept the fact that unconfessed sin is a special kind of burden or obstruction in the psychological as well as the physical reality of the believer's life. The discipline of confession and absolution removes that burden. Why does it remove that burden? Because God gave us a conscience. Because God made us to live and walk in the truth. And you just have to go back again to the Garden of Eden in order to see that. Because you have Adam and Eve there. And what does it say about Adam and Eve before everything fell apart? It says that they were naked and unashamed. That is, they lived fully exposed to one another and in harmony during that time. Instead, I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? That we can actually live in harmony, fully truthful to other people and to God and to ourselves. But what we end up doing is hiding away or covering up or distancing ourselves from other people. And then whatever kind of Guilt or shame that we might be feeling in that, whether a lot like the telltale heart or a little bit when stealing cigarettes from the BP in the fifth grade, either way, the secrecy and the darkness uh, cause that to grow, causes that to form more deeply in our lives. And so then rather than freedom, remember confession is freedom, rather than freedom, we end up carrying a burden with us. That's the way it is now. That's the the reason why our world is the way that it is. It's not the way that it's supposed to be. What is the way that it's supposed to be? That brings us to our third reason for confession here, that confession aligns us With God. So look at verses eight and nine. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Verse 8, there is one of my favorite verses in the Psalms. I have prayed it over so many people. I've prayed it over many of you in the church. I've prayed it over myself. It really gets toward what is the goal of our faith. The goal of our faith is that we are made in the image of God, which means we are to represent God's, God's rule and his reign to all of creation. Around us. Whatever God's rule and reign looks like in his kingdom, that's what we're supposed to do on earth. The the idea is that what we do aligns with God's will and his desire. Just like Jesus prayed, uh, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's actually our responsibility to make that will like God's kingdom in heaven because he has set us here as his image to be his representation to all of creation. Now, we, when we don't know how to rule or how to reign in God's place, we can have confidence that he will actually guide us in that process and let us know what to do. He'll give us instruction in it. That's verse 8 that we see here. The Lord said, I will guide you along the best pathway of your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Now, I don't really actually like that translation too much because it sounds like God's going to make you live your best life now, which isn't really, I think, what it's saying. There's another translation that goes, I will guide you and show you the way. With my eye upon you, I will give you counsel. So... When we uh, feel like we're left in the dark, we can go to God for counsel in how to rule, how to reign in, as image bearers, as representatives of his on earth. The problem is we're not always great representatives, right? We often look like, verse 9 Don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit or bridle to keep it under control. We struggle with the basics of life a lot. We struggle to just follow the basic guidelines that God has given us and to represent him in his kingdom, and we don't freely walk in God's will, so we end up needing course correction from him with a bit and a bridle because our direction is going somewhere else, and this is where confession becomes so important because when we come to, ca- to God in confession, we're coming to him in agreement. That's what the, the Greek word for c- confession in the Bible is homologia, and it means to say the same thing. So when we confess to God, we're saying the same thing that God is saying. What you say, God is good. That's what I'm going to say is good. I'm going to say the same thing and come into alignment with you. And what ends up happening is that we don't just come into alignment with him and say the same thing in word, but we end up doing it in deed as well. See, the more hidden we are, the more hidden we become. We become adjusted to the darkness. But the more we live with integrity and in the light and openly confess, the more we live in the light because the more accustomed we become to it. It's kinda like when you're driving through the woods on a really sunny day, you ever had this experience and it's like you drive through the shadow of a tree and you can't see anything and then suddenly the light is blaring on you and you can't see anything? But if you drive in the sunlight, your eyes adjust to that and you can see what's happening on the road. Or if you just drive in the shadows, your eyes adjust to that and you can see what's happening on the road. When we confess to God, when we come into agreement with him, our lives end up coming into alignment with him as well. And we begin to live in the way that we confess. Augustine, he was a fourth century theologian. He said, the confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. Or if you want to bring that all the way to the 21st century, just go back to Dallas Willard who said, nothing is more supportive of right behavior than open truth. So the last reason for confession here is that confession builds our trust in God. Look at the last couple of verses here, verses 10 and 11. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Remember, confession is primarily about trust. In order to really disclose ourselves, in order to be known, ourselves by somebody else, we have to be in a trusting relationship. If I take my confession and I'm met with scorn or condemnation or rejection, I'm not going to keep going forward with confession. But when I'm met with unfailing love, I'm going to keep going back for more of that I'll give you the illustration of my marriage. Stephanie is the person who knows me better than anybody else in the world. She gets to see all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and vice versa as well. And there have been plenty of times where we've had to confess to one another. But we have a trusting relationship. I feel confident I can say anything, and it's not going to end the relationship. I'm going to be met with unfailing love And so I'm willing to disclose myself because of that trusting relationship. How much more so with God when he says, you are surrounded. If you trust me, you are surrounded with my unfailing love. This is a place where you can come and expose yourself. You can disclose yourself in the midst of this. Chris Hall Hall, He was a seminary president, and author. He said in his book, uh, A Different Way. He says, every time we're honest with Jesus in confession, our friendship with him deepens. Just like in a human relationship, the more you disclose of yourself, the deeper that relationship is going to be. It's the same with God. The more we are known by him, the more we allow ourselves to be known by him, the deeper that intimacy is going to be, which is going to be how we move from transactional prayer to transformational prayer, to something that isn't just going after a list, isn't just the things that we need, and you should be praying about those things for sure, but comes into a place of full disclosure to God, where you let him search the deepest parts of you and, and allow him to transform you in the process. Now, we haven't even talked about confessing to other people. So going back to that story from the beginning, the circle of confession that I went through in high school, let's do it. Ushers, you can lock the doors now. <laughs> and we'll... Confessing to one another is important, too. In the book of James, James, the brother of Jesus, he writes, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Ultimately, the way we live our lives with others is a reflection of how we live our lives with God. So if we are hidden from God, we're gonna be hidden from others. But the more we disclose ourselves to God and are met with that unfailing love, the more confident we, confidence we have in that relationship with God, the more confidence we're gonna be able to have to disclose ourselves to the people who are close to us in life around us as well because ultimately we know we're secure in our identity and our trust and our relationship with God. That's where we start and then it spreads out from there. There are two verses here that we didn't read uh, from the psalm. I'll just read them right now. Verses six and seven. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there's still time. That way, They may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place, God. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. God's got our back. God has us surrounded with his unfailing love. And in the midst of that, it says, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time. Which means today. It means now. It doesn't mean tomorrow. It means in this moment. So we're going to take some time now to pray, and I'm going to invite you into a time of confession, and we won't circle up and put anybody in the middle, but you can have a private confession time with God. We're going to do that by offering some time of silence which can get a little bit awkward. You hear the little noises in the room and it's gonna feel like maybe it's taking longer than you wanted it to. But take that time and that space to ask God to search you, to know you. In fact, we're gonna put a portion of Psalm 139 up here. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Now you can meditate on that during that time of silence as you're going to God in confession. Then after a time of silence, I'm going to bring us back together, and we're going to do a corporate confession that is from the Book of Common Prayer. The Book of Common Prayer isn't typical for our tradition necessarily, but we do incorporate it here and there in what we do, and this is a really good confession for all of us to do together as we turn to God. So take this time now in silence uh, to ask God to search you in confession. All right, I invite you all now to recite with me this confession from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws declared to all people in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And grant, O merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen.